Hello and welcome to another of Autocar's new series of great women podcasts. I'm Piers Ward, Autocar's associate editor, and normally these podcasts focus on the brightest and best female talents in the automotive industry. But today, I'm delighted to be joined by a group of women who are at the top of a different world. Yes, I'm here with three of the stars of the Manchester City women's football team. Hello to Steph Horton, Esme Morgan and Demi Stokes. And thank you all so much for sparing your time to chat to us. And I believe you guys have just come off the training ground. Um, so what does your normal day look like, if, if such a thing exists at the moment? Well, where, where do you want us to start? Um, no, no, we're not in that long. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, we're, you know, you come in early, depending on, you know, if you're injured or whatnot, your schedule looks very different. Um, but, yeah, you, you come in, you have your breakfast, you get your, your checks, your, um, you know, to see if you're ready to train and whatnot. Um, bit of P2P, which is everyone's favourite, um, <laughs> to get ready for training. Um, and then training's, you know, pretty much standard, your possession, your tactical, um, and then obviously closer to the game, the more obviously tactical it becomes. Um, and then we get to a, a nice lunch. Um, you might have weights as well in the afternoon. But yeah, that's pretty much just standard day. If, you, if you're injured, it might look a bit different. Um, no one likes to be injured, so your day's probably a bit longer. Um, and you work a bit harder as well. And you're in extra days when you're injured as well. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, you have to come in extra? Yeah, yeah sorry, Steph. And how does it work in a bubble? Are you guys in a bubble at the moment? Yeah, we all come in and get tested twice a week, so we're still expected to adhere to the various protocols and stuff once we're in here. Sure. And, um, I mean, obviously you guys are uh, a professional footballer, so, and you've been, you've started very, very young. Um what inspired you from those early days to get into football? Uh, I think, obviously, I'm a lot younger than Esme. And bit, I mean, a bit older than Esme. <laughs> and, um, we're still thinking. <laughs> uh, a bit older than Demi, but, yeah, I think um, it's a bit different nowadays. I think ins- inspirations, we obviously, when I was playing, it was more about men's football. I supported Sunderland. Uh, I looked up to like David Beckham and Steven Gerrard, and I think... That's pretty much where my inspiration come. I'm not sure about Demi's and Esme's inspirations, but um, I see a lot probably a lot of young girls looking up to uh, some of my teammates and a lot of England girls as their inspirations growing up. Oh, you're turning that down, Steph. <laughs> no, I, I look up to Demi. We played. We like up in Sunland. We there wasn't a lot going on up there, so when we went and watched Sunland women play, we would watch you know the likes of Steph and in jail so I think growing up they were naturally our like role models and um you know they were playing for Sunderland in England at the time so it was like oh I want I want to do that and they're from where we are and you know it just give you I guess a bit of hope and you know if they can do it then you can do it almost so yeah Seth's um being modest I think but yeah we we definitely looked up to you know the Sunderland girls growing up I know you were yeah. copied Emmy no, Steph, Demi's right. Well, I didn't really have a clue about women's football until I was like 11 or something. I just always thought I'd play for the men's team at City. <laughs> um, which obviously, well, that's what I was planning for. <laughs> anyway, then London 2012 came along and I remember watching Team GB on telly and this player called Steph Horton scored this unbelievable free kick. 
<laughs> and from that minute, I was drawn to women's football. Yeah, two coffees. Um, so they, but in all seriousness, people like Steph, Jill, KB, who I became aware of, um, sort of around that time, were my first female role models in the game. Because up until then, I'd only really looked at the men's side of it. So, yeah, I've got those, those three to thank, really. Aww, my girls. Esme, how does it feel to be... You know, because you have come in uh, 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 through the youth scheme and you're now playing with those heroes. It always feels a bit strange to me to meet my heroes, um, you know, to have a conversation with someone that you only ever see on a pitch or on the other side of a screen. And now you're mates with them and playing alongside them. Yeah, it is weird to think about it that way, really, because it all happened so quick. I remember sort of watching them all lift like the Conti Cup trophy when it was at the CFA, um, hosted it as the CFA the final and then sort of gave a guard of honour for them when they won the league when I was in the academy system and then fast forward about 12 months and I was like going on pre-season tour with them all to France and stuff and playing alongside them so it was a bit surreal to me at first and I think my first couple of seasons I was really sort of awestruck and scared to talk to anyone <laughs> but I've probably come out of my shell a bit more now and um, obviously it's amazing to be able to consider them my friends and be able to just chat away to them and have that advice and whatnot. And did you did, I mean did you guys always have a career plan from or is this something that you kind of just work out as you go along because well, obviously you know how far ahead are you looking in terms of your career I appreciate that some are at the start of their career and, and some are, are in the middle of their career. Is there, what, what are your thoughts about the future? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think as a footballer you, you look too far ahead. I think you, obviously, depending obviously the timing of your contract and, yeah, but I think you can't look too far ahead because things, you know, can change within six months and you have injuries and that kind of thing. So I think obviously, the older you get, obviously, you do have to start thinking about it and, you know, what you want and that kind of thing. But I think it's quite hard to plan. I think, you know, in my head, I always just think if, you you know, you put the hard work in and, you you know, you do the right things and you stay healthy, then, you, you know, your career will take off. And But, yeah, it can, it can look very, very different. And I think you've just got to probably look at uh, me, Steph and Esme. All our journeys are very different, but actually we've, you know, we're at the same club and we want the same things. So I think for me personally, you have obviously your personal um, achieve, achievements, you know, can I get picked for England? You know, can you become a star? Then can you get picked for tournaments? But yeah, I, I think it's obviously about, you know, club first and performing there, being consistent there and, you know, the rest will take care of itself. I think it's quite interesting because we're all at different stages. So, like Esme is at the beginning of her career, got so many opportunities going forward. Demi's an established senior international, still got years left to play. Whereas for me, I'm probably more thinking about what I'm going to do after football just because of my age. And um, my biggest advice to Demi and Esme is when you get to this age, don't worry about what you're going to do about football because just enjoy every moment of playing with your teammates and being a part of an unbelievable club and I think if you do as well as you can on the pitch and off the pitch you're a good person, opportunities do come to you and I'm a firm believer that I think like if you can kind of be a good person, like whatever you 
you put into something you're going to get out and um, I think that's what I've tried to do over the last couple of years is try and look at it that way instead of thinking oh my god I don't know what I want to do after football because I'm interested in a lot of things and I can't nail down whether I want to be coach or do stuff in the media or uh, be involved in the first team because ultimately like Demi said you can't really predict what's going to be around the corner so I think for us three it's going to be totally different but and I think the way that women's football has developed your career changes within 12 months and in two years because of how fast the game is grown over the last especially over the last few years I think that's it isn't it do you do you feel like you know Steph as a senior member of the you know well you're the captain aren't you so as the senior member of the squad do you feel like um the professionalism in the game is helping you in terms of your next steps because you're so much better, you know, 15 years ago, you're so much better known than you would be 15 years ago. There are more opportunities for you afterwards as a result of the way that the women's football game has developed. Yeah, I think for people and women in general, I think there's so much more opportunities during sport now because of the profile that we have and how much the game has developed. But I think it's nice to see, oh yeah, because you're in women's football, you're going to get that opportunity. You still have to work hard to get that. It's not just about, it's not just about because you're a name or you've had so many caps for England or you've played for certain clubs whether that's Man City Arsenal Chelsea that you're going to get something after that there's a lot of work that goes into that after but yeah I think with the profile of the game there's so much more opportunities for women to be involved in media for example um, because obviously the rights have gone to Sky now which is unbelievable so there's going to be more women going to be able to commentate on them sort of games and really push our games forward but yeah we're in a really good position and hopefully it continues to grow over the next couple of seasons and while you're still playing are you guys studying with a view to you know what might come next because you know obviously professional sport doesn't have the world's longest shelf life are, are you studying outside of the you know the obviously the busy day job to yield more potential in the future or how does that work yeah i'm currently studying so i'm doing a degree at university with a view to like going into a career in sport after i finish playing but obviously the plan is not for that to be anytime soon um but i think obviously it's always good to have a backup because football's such a cutthroat business and there's you never know with injuries touch wood it doesn't happen but I think also I'm just the sort of person who needs something to keep my mind busy. And I remember after I finished my A-levels, I obviously didn't do any work for months and I just felt like my brain was disintegrating. <laughs> so, And I it's a big I one. Need... <laughs> <laughs> I think I need to do something to keep myself occupied, otherwise I'd be bored educationally. But yeah, um, I'm definitely doing stuff to sort of plan for the future but I think likewise like Steph and Dem you're always doing things to sort of set yourself up for potential opportunities after football too so I feel like it's sort of a constant process because you had a hell of a you had a hell of a week you got your GC, amazing GCSE results and then um and then uh, wasn't it a Man City game after that or something yeah I had I got my results while I was on the team bus in France um, on my first pre-season tour with the first team. Oh yeah, I remember and I remember, that. Yeah, my dad rang me, and everyone was like waiting to find out what I got. And then Todd, who was the SNC coach at, a ta- at the time, like announced it on the microphone on the coach, <laughs> and everyone just started going mad. It was so sweet, but again surreal because these were people who I was just like watching on telly a few weeks before admiring and then they were all cheering for my GCSEs it was very strange 
And Demi, you you've kind of um, you've been over in the states, haven't you? Playing, would yeah. you know if you had your time again, would you do anything differently, or would you do you think that was a good move? Um, no, I wouldn't do anything different. I think at the time when I decided, um, there, there wasn't a lot going on in terms of opportunity or you know how I felt, and I think at the time I was at Sunderland, we were only training twice a week, um, and I just thought it's. You know, it wasn't it wasn't helpful, and I wasn't going to improve. You know, to get me where I wanted to be. Um, but no, it was always on the agenda. It was something I always wanted to do, just as well as because I I didn't enjoy school. Um, and I thought if I stayed in England, you know, you'd probably mess about. You won't get a degree. Whereas I thought if I go over there, you know, I can train every day. Um, and get a degree at the same time. So it was, yeah, I I'd hundred percent say it was the best decision I think I made and I think that opened opportunities um, for different coaches to see me um, and get picked for England as well so um, I had a plan and it, and it worked out um, thankfully so yeah um, yeah, grateful for my time there and yeah it was the best decision I made What does diversity mean at Bentley Motors? Diversity is what brings all these different perspectives to the table, right? These experiences that we have. And when we bring them together, that's when we create the best possible solutions. If I had to sum up diversity in one word, it means pride. It's about removing barriers. Confidence. Creativity. Potential. Understanding. It means belonging. Do you feel it's it's um, easier to get into football or, or sport in general at a professional level as as a as a female, or do you think it's it's just as cutthroat as it is in in the men's game? Um, yeah, I think it's probably just as cutthroat. Like I've said, if you don't if you don't do the right things and you're not you know the right person for it, then yeah, you know it's you've got to be on it every day, or you you know you've got to keep checking yourself every day. So. Yeah, I'd say it's just as cutthroat and you've still got a graph and you've still got to get the, you know, the work put in. And I think even once you get to a level, you still have to keep going. And it's, I was saying, like, even when you get picked for England or, you you know, you, you're at a club like Man City, it's staying there, getting there easier, it's staying there and doing it consistent, consistently um, and to keep pushing because, like you say, there's more opportunities, there's, you know, Kids from a younger age are training every day, so the quality of the player coming through is um, a lot different to what it was 15 years ago. So it's yeah, it it gets harder and harder. Yeah, and do you do you feel like you know obviously you guys know all the the, the men's Man City team as well. Do you feel like you guys are treating that sort of that career path differently, or do, you know it sounds like you know you're professional sports people, so you're 100% focused on it. That's that's the aim of the game. I think. It's quite hard to compare the men's team to our team just because of the amount of money and investment that's involved within their team. But I think in terms of how we come into football every day, like the the dedication, the professionalism from the girls and my teammates, I think it's second to none. I think they understand that it's an unbelievable opportunity to play, to play for an unbelievable football club and um, to kind of take it every day and just try and give it 100% and to push each other because ultimately we all want to be successful. We know like what Demi said before, it is all about consistency and being challenged to be even better. So I think in terms of mindset and mentality, I don't see it being that much different. I think 
personally, I think the journeys that we've been on has probably made us tougher in the sense that we've had to fight for a lot more. Do you enjoy it? Because you know, quite often you get to that level of professionalism and it turns into a job. You, but do you enjoy the the game? Definitely. I yeah. Think there's ups and downs, and there's some days where you probably roll out of bed and you think, "Not today." Like you don't have as much motivation, as much energy. But I think you sort of come to the realization that we're very lucky to be doing what we dreamed of doing as a kid. And I think that kid always lives within you and comes out. I think for me, what I enjoy most is sort of the camaraderie with my teammates. Like if I, I'm such a competitive person, but I enjoy being competitive alongside my friends. And I think that's what I love most about football is sort of the team nature of it, the togetherness, doing it alongside my mates and being successful with them. I think I wouldn't get the same enjoyment from an individual sport. And I think that's sort of what I remember if I'm ever having a low moment. I'm like, there's nothing that seven-year-old Esme would rather have been doing than this right now. So I think obviously there's sort of down moments, but I think the the moments where you're happy and enjoying it and literally living the dream probably outweigh any of those thoughts. And how do you balance your work and personal life? What, what's, you know, professional footballers is you live and breathe it. How do you then just sort of switch off in the evening? What's the What's the aim there? Well, I don't think. Well, I don't switch off. So I don't know about. Yeah, I mean, you're quite a good person to do this one. Yeah, you're chill. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it's quite. It is hard to do, obviously, when when you go home and you think, well, you, you never actually do switch off because you think, well, I've got to eat this because I've got training tomorrow, and then you think, well, I've had weight, so it has to be this type of meal. So you actually never switch off, and you think, oh, I've got to be in bed at this certain time. So. I think it's a continuous thing that you all you always do, but yeah, I think for me, I I just chill out like, do yeah, um, cooking or look at at the minute I'm looking after everyone's kids, so that, that just kept me busy in there. Uh, you know, brings you I think brings you back down to reality and makes you feel a bit more human. I think, um, but yeah, just you know, bit of Netflix, look after people's kids, um, bit of cooking, coffee. Um, yeah, coffee. Um, coffee yeah, but yeah, it's just yeah, it it is it is hard to switch off, and it's it's hard not to go home and think, should I go on a run or should I go to the gym or should I do a bit more? Have I done enough? So you you always you you are always thinking, what what can I do or how can I improve? Um, so yeah, it's probably something you never you switch off from. I think it has been harder with lockdown. To be honest, I think normally. Um, because we've been in training, we finish, uh, say, two o'clock. We all go home normally. We would all go for coffee. And, like, that's kind of like your mum to have a little bit of time to yourself away from the house and stuff. But I think some people have found it difficult not to be do- able to do anything after training uh, to allow that switch off time. And I think we all can be better at it. I know for a fact that could be in terms of you're always overthinking or you're worrying about your teammate or, or how we can be better maybe if we've had a bit of a bad result. But I think... It is intense when we're in, in this situation and we're training every single day and we're putting everything into it. It can become tiring. So it is important that whether that's seeing family and friends, going for coffee, um, doing TikToks as me, um, it might, it might help you, you switch off. But yeah, I think everybody has their own thing and it's important that you kind of respect that in the same way. We've just seen uh, the first female referee of a male game. Um, does, does that feel like a real step change? Um, 
I wouldn't say necessarily a step change if it's like a massive milestone. I think these are the sort of things that are happening more regularly now. I think obviously it's really cool that it's it's happening, but I suppose it's just a product of like the improved standard of, of referees and the more opportunities that female referees are getting. I feel like it's just a sort of a reflection of women's sport in general and its progression. Um, but I wouldn't say it's it feels like a massive moment. I think it's just a natural progression in terms of the different things we've been seeing. Um, but it is great that there being female officials are being more visible and hopefully they can continue to press progress up the ladder and maybe referee Premier League games and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean it's difficult for us because there's probably been a lot of like questions about the standard refereeing in our league, so we almost want to keep hold of these refs for ourselves rather than letting them go over to the men's side. And uh, what was it like um, playing at the Etihad Stadium? Um, I think there were 31,000 fans for the Man U game. Does the size, obviously it's a bit different at the moment with COVID, but does the size of the crowd make a difference on the pitch? Especially in a derby game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think we were, like, that was the second time as a club we played at the Etihad for to have that many people come and watch us and all of the crowd pretty much be blue was it was an unbelievable day and I think obviously the result helps as well but I think that's the aim for the game is to be able to produce them crowds and them that kind of stadium week in week out and that's the level that we need to get to and it might take us a few more seasons to get there but I think being able to have maybe the one two games in a season where we are playing at Etihad Stadium against big teams can attract fans to come and watch us and as players, you absolutely love performing in front of big crowds, and we certainly did that day. Esme, you're obviously less experienced. Does it, you know, a big crowd, What is that make you nervous, or how does it affect you? I mean, I wasn't at that game because I was on loan at Everton, but I was watching it on telly and absolutely screaming the bus down. We were on the coach to an away game when Cass scored that goal. But you could see the atmosphere and the occasion that it was to the players. But I played um, against Liverpool at Anfield and there was 23,000 fans there. And because I'd never experienced anything like it before, it just to me it was just such a thrill playing in front of that many people. Every time the ball sort of started to go towards one of the ends, you could sort of feel like you know, anticipation rising in the crowd and people gasping and things like that. And it was just... It was just really, really exciting to be a part of that and sort of have that many people cheering you on and being in in the emotion of the game with you. And I thought that was really cool. But I've only probably experienced that once. But I wouldn't say it made me nervous. I'm quite rare, really. I don't really get nervous for playing football. But I just found it really exciting and a thrill more than anything else, I think. And I mean, football fans aren't known as being overly sympathetic. Um, what's it? Is it... <laughs> Is it a nice atmosphere, or do you, do you find it puts you off, or how does it work? Um, I think I think you zone out, like like I think you have to because obviously you you're so focused on the game and you know focusing on your job and that kind of thing. But yeah, people go, did you hear me shouting? And I'm like, no. Um, but yeah, I think you just almost zone out and you kind of you know get 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 on with the game. But yeah, I don't know about the other girls. I'd say you never, I never really hear specific things. Like, I just hear general noise level going up or things like that. Like, I'm really bad for, like, not hearing something the manager's shouting at me to do because I just tend to just block things out and just be focused. But probably something I need to work on. Obviously, the manager not listening to the crowd because that's not productive. But 
probably played in more feisty atmospheres with England or something. Um, I think the World Cup was probably, and I think obviously Brazil at Wembley was unbelievable in the sense of that was my first big crowd that I played in front of it. Um, at the Olympics, like 70,000 and yeah, of course, I think I'm a player that gets nervous before the game, but I think that's a good thing for me. It shows that I'm prepared and I care and, um, but yeah, I think I've never been so nervous in playing in front of 70,000 fans, um, against Brazil. But in terms of the crowd, I think probably the semi-final against America, I think there was a lot of American fans in that stadium and you could just tell there was so wanting America to win. And even though we'd scored and we kind of, you could hear boos, you could hear jeers, but I think like you're using the motivation way to kind of make sure that they keep doing that the whole game. So I think women's football crowds are a little bit different, but when it gets to like thirty, forty thousand, yeah, there's a definitely an influence on probably how you play. To finish on, I mean, the the future really. Where does women's football go from here? What are your hopes for it? I mean, I'm quite lucky in that I've only sort of rocked up when it's been how it is now. You know, like when all the hard work done, I'm just seeing the fruits of Steph and Demi's labour. I hope you remember this. I would say we just want bigger crowds, bigger sort of exposure to wider audiences, and obviously with that, with the cycle, that in turn the investment grows and we can improve the standard of the game and therefore more spectators want to watch. So it's just a continuous cycle that hopefully can continue to go on and people like me can hopefully carry through the work that these guys have done um, moving forward. Brilliant. Boom. Mic drop. Have you got... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. <laughs> Expensive piece of kit stuff. Don't play with it. Um, well, I think uh, that's it's extremely kind of you. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been fascinating to listen to you, um, all your different perspectives. Um, you know, really genuinely uh, interesting stuff to hear how your perspective on it all, really. Um, so thank you very much. And um, yeah, well, uh, good luck for the rest of the season. Thank, thank you. you. Nice to meet you. Thank you.